The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times. Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all his property, in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, Pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you, should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Father Stephen Ellis. I'm a legionary of Christ, the newest and I think last addition to the legionary community here at St. Joseph's, at least for the moment. I'm very happy to be here and now call uh, Raleigh my home. I've been traveling to Raleigh for the past three years from my former community in Washington, uh, D.C. I'm chaplain for the Regnum Christi movement for the state of North Carolina. I'll be living here and working very much here in the Raleigh area, but also traveling to Charlotte to attend the Regnum Christi members and the Charlotte Diocese. I'm happy to be here uh, in one sense because I've gotten to know a few people over the last three years, and, and it is so nice to be here, such a welcoming place. And I'm also happy to be here because of my last assignment, which was in Washington, D.C., and that explains itself. <laughs> But I'm happy that Father Peter invited me to celebrate Mass for you this morning. And praying over the liturgy this morning, and especially the gospel, I'd like to share with you what I think our Lord would like, would like us to reflect on. When I have to preach, or when I'm attending in spiritual direction, I always ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me words that they need to hear. Give me the words that they need to hear, because you know all of our hearts. 
You know our deepest desires. You know our crosses of the moment. You know our continual battles and struggles. And maybe I could have a glimpse of that as I get to know people, but certainly not to the depth and, and breadth that the Holy Spirit does. So counting that he is also working through his uh, often weak but um, earnest uh, ministers, this is what was coming to me in my prayer. Um, my order is kind of um, like a, uh, we have a militant aspect to ourselves, so we can be moved around, our assignments can change one day to another. And I remember when I was, I started thinking about the priesthood when I was 15, and I was reading the lives of the saints and the choosing my confirmation saint. And St. Francis of Assisi, his lifestyle very, very much called to me. I felt pulled or attracted to his kind of lifestyle that, to me, was very radical. That he was able to give up all things to be very available for what God needed, for what the church needed. And maybe in a bit of a naive but innocent 15-year-old mind, I envisioned myself as that, almost like a, a soldier for the church who was available for wherever the church needed that you could be taken from one place and dropped in, an, in another, in a dark area, and from that area become a source of light, begin to irradiate the, the teachings of the church, the Christ's teachings to, to, to new people. That kind of militancy called to, to my heart. And when I found the Legion, I found something very similar. And that was a way, of several ways, but one way that our Lord was confirming to me, this is where I want you. This is your home. Um, in one of my assignments, I was um, outside New York City. We had a place in New York City. And often during the year, we would go to the city and do missions. And the goal of the missions really was to bring people back to the church, and especially through the sacrament of confession. And it was an Ash Wednesday. And I remember we priests were, several priests were available in two churches in the middle of the city, we had some of our seminarians, some Reagan Christie volunteers outside, some missionaries outside walking on the streets, inviting people in to receive the ashes and also to take advantage and go to confession. And I remember confessing lots of people, everyone, whether they're practicing or not, gets their ashes on Ash Wednesday in New York City. <laughs> a lot of customers. But I remember one particular young woman who came in and maybe mid-20s, very well-dressed, very professional. And she sat down for a confession, and she emanated a harshness, a determination, a steely grit. I said, okay, this is, this is someone who is either from here or decided to move here and is going to be successful. She has all her ducks in a row. She knows what she wants. So she started a confession, and she emanated such harshness, I even felt challenged by her. She was challenging me. So... Um, I put my head down, and I was very careful as I was watching, listening to her and watching her. I'd only look at her a little bit, and I was watching her demeanor. And little by little, as she's finishing, and I begin to talk, I'm watching her, and I'm looking at her reaction, and little by little, I can see on her face that she's beginning to soften. And the more I see that she's beginning to soften, the more I can look at her in the face directly and talk to her more and more and engage her. And then I see her soften, and then I see a little tear come down. And at the end, um, I said to her, you know what, I'm from Ohio, and, um, but I love you New Yorkers because you think you're very tough, but deep down, we're all the same. 
Deep down, we all have a heart that really wants to love and be loved. All of us. Logical, because this, we come from the same person. We're made through um, from God. We're made in his image and likeness. And we are made like him to love and be loved. And in my work and in my, reflecting my own life, reading this gospel today, I think that there is only one thing that our almighty, all-knowing, and all-powerful God cannot do. At least he chooses not to, not to do so. And that is, he cannot take away the freedom that he gave us. We are free beings, free intelligent beings, made in his image and likeness. He cannot cross that line of forcing himself upon us. If you think about it, even with mercy, the sacrament of confession, what is actually happening is that we, the limited one, the creature, the wounded one, the sinful one, the lost sheep, we are the ones who are giving the Almighty our permission so that he can forgive us. It's like we have a lever. It's a tiny little lever. But it's very powerful what that lever can do when you decide to engage the lever. It opens the door to God's mercy. Even with forgiveness, he doesn't force it. He wants it greatly. He desires it greatly. He suffers greatly when he sees that one of us, we are far from his mercy. But there's that line. So our Lord, today, I think in this gospel passage, he told a story. He made up a story. It's a parable. But Peter was honest with him and struggling. How many times do I have to forgive? And Peter, it's not for naught that it's Peter who asked the question. Peter is speaking for all of the twelve. He was going to be the voice, the first pope, the voice for the entire church. Peter was struggling. The church, these normal men, ordinary men, called by God to a very high mission, but from ordinary stuff. Struggle with ordinary stuff like forgiving. And it's hard. So our Lord knows the human heart. We, he made it. He knows what we're made of. And he knows that it's difficult for us to forgive. Either to forgive often or to forgive once, but something very difficult to get over. When the human heart is wounded, when it's hurt, there's a danger that it remains closed and it doesn't engage that lever to give God permission to give us his mercy, there's a danger. It could be wounded, and then the effects of that woundedness is fear. I don't want to be hurt again, so I'm not, I'm not going to love anybody. I know what happened last time, and that was so um, disappointing. I'm not risking that again, and I keep my heart closed. Or out of pride, what pride can do, where we think knowledge will save us. I know better. I know better, and I follow all the rules, and I don't make mistakes. And that breeds another kind of danger of 
therefore, I have no need. I have no need to ask for mercy because I have made no mistakes. We see the fruits of that in arrogance, right? A smart, alecky, arrogant, know-it-all type of person. And how attractive is that? Not very. So, I'm not knocking knowledge. Of course, we need God give us reason for our reason. Let's use it and inform it. But knowledge by itself does not save us. In the end, it is a person who saves us. So, as Peter Kreeft once said, it is not what you know that gets you into heaven, it's who you know. Make friends with a guy who's going to let you in or say no. Be on friendly terms with him. And the principal way of doing that is by going to him and giving him permission to get to know you better. And you get to know him better. You open your heart. That is, that is consent. In this parable, this story, Jesus made up this story to give an illustration to answer Peter's quandary. And he says, the master felt compassion and pity to the servant who begged forgiveness, canceled his debt out of generosity. And the servant went and did the opposite with the people under him. How important it is for us who have received God's mercy to be good stewards of what he has given us. When you receive mercy, go and be merciful. Give it away. Be generous. It's not yours. It's a gift. You asked for it, and God gave it to you. You're not the author of mercy. That is love himself who is the author of mercy. You, we, become stewards of that grace. Be a good administrator of someone else's gift. Don't be like this, this servant Kind of like, like what a hypocrite. Like what a small-hearted, small-minded man. How dare you? You have had everything canceled and you don't even cancel out a smaller debt? This is, this is also dangerous for us when we can go to confession and be forgiven again and again and again and again. God will never tire. He's God. He doesn't run out of mercy graces. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have enough today. Come back next week. No, there's... There's plenty. But when we don't be generous to give what we have received, we become like this servant, this wicked servant. So our heart is healed by giving the mercy we have received. The person who hurt us a long time ago, even our enemies that we don't know, we only hear about or read about on the news or whatever, yes, them too, we have to forgive. Doesn't mean we have to agree doesn't mean we have to go along with. doesn't mean we have to excuse. Certainly Christ did not do that. So let's not confuse a worldly understanding of forgiveness and love with the truth. No. But it means I cannot go to bed at night with unjust anger on my heart. Or I risk during those hours of sleep that it begins to harden. And that is hard to open. Forgive, forgive, forgive. We have to ask forgiveness often and give it away often. I will conclude with, in forgiveness and mercy, there are three special graces that we receive every time we ask forgiveness from God, especially in confession. The first is the obvious, right? That 
What I confess, what I ask forgiveness for, is taken away. It's gone. It's removed. The other two graces aren't as obvious, and I think we can forget about them as Catholics. And if we remembered them and lived and understood what mercy really does, we would be better stewards of the graces received. The second is a healing grace. So you have cancer, and you can have, go to the hospital, you have surgery, your tumor is removed. It's not there. But your body needs to recover from the effects of that. The same spiritually. Sin is like cancer on the soul. I have my sins forgiven. I confess this. It's taken away. But I need grace to heal because I've been weakened by the effects of that sin. So the second grace is a healing grace. It begins to heal us, to help us recover. And just like sometimes you need various rounds of chemo or radiation to fully recover, same spiritually. Our deepest hurts, the sins we struggle to, uh, to give to God are the ones we have to confess often because they really have taken root in us, need the second grace often. So it penetrates deeply into our soul and pulls from the roots where all of that is coming from. We might have to confess again and again. Now, I'm not talking about scrupulosity. I'm talking about an effect of a healing grace, forgiveness, healing. The third is strengthening. He sends a fortifying grace. He strengthens us where we are weak. Because he knows us. We come from him. He made us. He knows our temperament, our psychology, our background. He knows where we are temperamentally, my human makeup, weaknesses are. He knows where they are. He strengthens us in them so we're not overcome by them. But he also knows the particular daily weaknesses, the particular cross we're carrying now, the situation we're living in now. And he he strengthens us in that so we're not overcome by that. All the crosses he sends to us, we're able to carry because he doesn't overwhelm us. He's a just God. He knows what we're capable of. We're capable of much more than often we believe. So be a good steward of what you have received. You need forgiveness to be forgiven. You need forgiveness for healing. You need forgiveness to be strong. Let's ask our Lord for this grace, this 24th Sunday in ordinary time that we become good stewards of his mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Lord inclines his ear to us and hears our supplication. United in faith, we turn to the Father with our prayers. For the church, her leaders, and all the faithful, that all may be blessed with wisdom and devotion, we pray to the Lord. That those who hold public office will imitate the goodness of God, who secures justice and the rights of all the oppressed. We pray to the Lord. Lord, That on this National Catechetical Sunday, God may bless all those engaged in the work of education in the faith. We pray to the Lord. Lord, That the Lord will bless all husbands and wives and all who are preparing for marriage and assist marriages that are in trouble. We pray to the Lord. That our parish, St. Joseph's, may grow in faith, hope, and love. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the grace this week to be merciful and forgiving to those who have wronged us. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For our personal intentions, Lord, that you know that we we hold in our hearts. We pray to the Lord. Lord, 
Father, you are gracious, just, and merciful. When we are brought low, please save us through Christ our Lord. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed 